What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. It's your boy, Ricky, a.k.a. Dick Chuck, a.k.a. the man behind the can at Seltzer Time Official. Here is always with my conversation accomplice, the man with the hunch about what's there, Travis. What is cracking fizzle fiends? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. And per usual, we are stoked that you're here. This it's week true. on the show, it is true. This week on the show, we are talking to Peter DeCaro and Melissa Farrington from Resonate. But before we get there, y'all know what we have to do. Hey, Ricky, how was your Valentine's Day, buddy? What's up? Um, all right, cool. My Valentine's Day was good. It. What did I do? What did we, we didn't do anything. We stayed home, like I'm sure everybody else did. Um, stayed home. We made dinner and just kind of hung out. What'd you make? We made. Naomi makes this really good. Um, it's like a pasta dish with like a vodka sauce. Ooh. Um, we added broccoli and asparagus to it, and it was it was very delicious. Um, so yeah, so we just kind of like made that, hung out, watched a bunch of TV, and fell asleep on the couch. It was fucking beautiful. Honestly, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. Sarah and I made scampi. She made shrimp scampi and I made chicken scampi, but we made homemade noodles. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That's Big fan of the homemade pasta. My mother-in-law got me a pasta maker for Christmas and we've been okay. using it every chance we get. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Manny, I, Manny, uh, pasta Manny got me all messed up and now I want fresh pasta all the time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, I should get pasta Manny sometime. I haven't had that in so long. So, so good. So, Shout so out good. Um, the Get Up Kids because after we record this episode, I'm going to go watch their live stream from last night. Hell yeah. Yeah. They did a Valentine's Day live stream of something to write home about. Not that Naomi doesn't like them, but I felt like making her watch the Get Up Kids on Valentine's Day was probably not the move. So, I think I'll watch it this afternoon. Great. Okay. That sounds awesome, man. And I'm, I'm love that, that they're doing that kind of stuff. I know they're one of the Patreons you support. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a lot of Patreon content to catch up on. I have been, I've been slacking. I like, I, so for Worcester Wears, we did this Worcester love story campaign. It was super cute. Um, it was, it was adorable. It was definitely something I'm extremely proud of. We had uh, a major talk show in New York city hit us up about it, which was like, fucking wild nothing ever came of it but the to get an email from yes i know who ben, you're talking about yeah it was, it was pretty, pretty dope um so that was really cool and i was the, the response we've gotten on it has been unbelievable people really love reading about people which i know but it's like fun to be able to show that to the world they also um, love reading about love exactly love fucking rules man so yeah, no, it was good, it, but it's also kept me extremely busy, which is good, which is good. It's fun. It's, it's fun. I'm very sick of posting people I don't know on social media. <laughs> so, it's been a long two weeks of doing that, but it's, it's over now and love is dope. How was your week? What's up? It's good, man. Uh, busy, busy per usual, but like we had some of our some of Hunchback's main clients come hit us up the past couple of weeks. And like, we just got this big website conversion project. That's going to be, it needs to be done in two weeks and it's, it's a substantial amount of work. So it's really what my focus is the next few days. Um, but yeah, I'm just pumped. I'm pumped that things are working well. And I had this awesome, like we did a zoom session with four, uh, three other 
creatives, local creatives, Bree and Nick from Debella Creative and David Gorman, another local designer that I've met through Instagram. We had a little creative uh, happy hour Friday night through Zoom and just kind of was fun shooting the shit. And it was, rem- it was a nice reminder of what life used to be like. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of like, you know, end of the day, go for a drink and hang out with some people that are in the same field. So trying to find out ways to do more stuff like that and continue finding connections in the city. I do. I don't know. I've never met David in in real life, but now I've had two zoom conversations with him and now I would consider him, you know, an acquaintance or a friend. That's awesome. I don't know. Uh, Do I know any, I don't know. Do I know these people? Um, You might've met Bree at new tradition at one point. Bree's super cool. So Bree and David are designers. Nick is more of um, video production, but Nick and Bree are married and they run a studio together. Sweet. Yeah. So, and then um, what else happened? Valentine's Day was chill. I got my wife a bouquet of flowers and then I put four little nips on sticks in it so that I gave her some flowers and some cocktail. There you go. I was surprised how well that worked. Like she really thoroughly loved it. And she felt like I thought of, cause Sarah's been slowly building up her home bar and she's like, yeah. she's getting really into craft cocktails and like really trying to learn that kind of stuff. So it's kind of gives her some stuff to play with. Yeah. I definitely feel that. I, I it's funny. I had like a conversation <clears throat> with Danielle the other day about nips. Was it Danielle? It's either Danielle or Jess. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I, I think it was Jess. I never, like, growing up, I never bought nips. They weren't, like, I don't know why. They just always were a thing that I never thought about. Um, And then there's, like, a certain, there's, like, nips have always been this weird thing for me. Then the last, like, basically since the start of the pandemic, I haven't been drinking as much beer at home. I've mostly, and I haven't really been drinking during the week. I've mostly been waiting until the weekend. And I've been just making cocktails out of things that I like. But to try like different gins or different mezcals, instead of buying like a fifty or sixty dollar bottle, I will buy a nip of it and make a drink with that and see if I like it. It's been kind of fun. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing like buying a, uh, a half gram pre roll before I commit to a whole eighth of a strain of of cannabis. Like, I love that idea. And if you treat it correctly, yeah. it's it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's like anything else. Like, there's a there's definitely like a negative view of nips like i feel like anytime i ever had a nip i was like very young not very young i, I was six no i uh i was like younger at, at like a party or something and it was like bag of nips like we're fucking doing shots of i don't even know fireball what. yeah it was always like stuff that i don't enjoy but um yeah now it's it's kind of fun to just like you know get some and make a a drink that i probably normally wouldn't make and then if i like it i'll buy a bottle of it good yeah exactly well i don't really have anything else that happened this week do you um yeah only the stuff that's like in my stokes i've had a very nerdy week (laughs) it's been good well let us nerd out with the the cool cats from Resonate for a minute, and then we'll yeah. uh, see you guys in a bit. What is crack and fizzle fiends? This week on the show, we are talking to Peter DeCaro and Melissa Farrington of Resonate, locally owned and operated premium cannabis dispensary. Thank you for having us on the show, guys. Or, well, thank you for coming on the show. This is our show. What am I talking about? <laughs> hey, our pleasure. Thanks for having us. This is great. I, thank you. I got all twisted. I probably tried a little bit too much of your product this morning, but it's okay. It's <laughs> well done. Good morning. Well done. 
<laughs> Never too much. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, you know, we wanted to take a minute to say hello and thank you guys for coming on. Um, you are one of the, not one of the newer, one of the dispensaries that operate here in the city. And we wanted to hear about, you know, how you guys got started and how people can find you. Wow, that's great. Listen, I mean, and, and, and again, thanks for having us on. Like, we're very excited to be joining you guys. Like, love what you're doing. So, um, you know, very happy to be here. So, that being said, kind of jumping right into it, um, you know, man, this cannabis thing's been a journey. It's, it's, it's funny, like, I, I've been doing this now for six years, just about six years. So, I feel like, you know, I went from regular guys starting in the cannabis thing to a grandfather that's kind of seen it all at this point, um, which, which is probably a lot of truth. Um, so it's interesting, right? I'm, I'm running this, you know, company. I get this family-owned business out in uh, Douglas, and I, this guy walks into my office one day and says, "Hey, I'd like to rent space in this building." And he's got long hair and he's all hippied out, and I'm like, "All right, well, you know, what are you looking to do?" He's like, "Yeah, I want to open a cannabis, you know, a cultivation site in your building." And I thought, "Well, that's kind of interesting." I'm like, "Yeah, that's great." I'm like, well, "Listen, I'll be your neighbor. I don't really care. Like, I'm more than happy to support you. You know, big fan of the cause, right?" Um, and, and I, I saw that back in like 2012 when Deval Patrick was rolling this whole thing out. And I, I don't know if you remember, we all ended up in court, state ended up in court. The process was flawed. And, uh, you know, it, fast forward a couple of years later, that applicant didn't actually get approved as part of that process. And Charlie Baker came in and kind of rewrote the whole process. And, you know, I had that time to kind of sit and think about, man, how great would it be? you know, to, to make the leap of faith into this new emerging industry. Right. Um, and I, I did some homework and I read up on it and I'm like, man, this is, this is kind of right in my wheelhouse. Like this is what I was doing. So threw my hat in the ring and I, I, I'll tell you, it's funny. I, I went to the lawyer's office on it's like June 30th, 2015, I think is what it was. And it was like the last day that they were accepting applications at the DPH. And I'm like, I got to form this nonprofit and like for what the cannabis they're like, we don't have any idea how to do any of this stuff. I'm like, well, I don't have any idea. That's what I'm doing here. Like, we got, we got to figure this thing out. So we set up this company that day. And the lawyer, she asks me, she goes, so what's the company name? I'm like, uh, I haven't even got that far. Uh, medicinal alternatives is what, okay. So I took, set up the company that day, took the application, drove it to Boston. 30 days later, I get this notice. You've been invited to go to stage two. Now, you guys remember this, like back in the day, this was crazy. You didn't know what was going to happen. We, we didn't know what stage two, stage three, any of this stuff really meant, right? Sure. So we get invited to this like stage two management operational profile. And I'm like, all right, this thing's getting a little bit more involved than, than you know I thought. So I got some help, got some consultation, submitted it. And the next thing I know, I get a response back. You've been invited to go to stage three. And I'm thinking, wow, this thing's got legs now. Like this is, this is pretty awesome. Um, you know, and, and for me, it's like, okay, that's the process. But like, this is kind of what I always want to do. You know, like I always set out, like I wanted to build something from the ground up, you know, sure, part sure. Of a lot of great organizations with a lot of great people, but this was something that I could kind of impact right from, right from the beginning, you know, build the walls and, and literally like, that's what we did. I mean, from day one in working through design and architect in, in construction, I mean, excuse me, having to raise capital, having to fund this thing. I mean, talk about you laying it all out on the line, right? I mean, every penny you have is, is thrown at this thing. Like every family relation, every, every friendship, everything strained while you stressed out to the nine getting this thing going. But, you know, I, I, was, I was so thrilled to be able to, to do that, to actually 
participate in something like that where you can do something from the ground up. Yeah. I mean, like who knows what the next, you know, emerging frontier is. Is it, is it, you know, mush, mushrooms? I mean, listen, love what the city of Somerville's doing. Look, I'm coming. I'm, I'm following. You know, that, that's going to be the next thing. We're going to resonate. We're going to hallucinate. We're going to do all the eights. You know, you know, that, that's, that's the plan. But no, it gets Where do I blood. sign up for that? Yeah, yeah right. I mean, listen, by all means. You know, so like, you know, the history, that that's probably kind of surface level, right? I mean, we all talk about this process, but, you know, for me, it, it definitely, um, yeah, it taxed like every, every element, every shroud of your perseverance, you know, every, every piece of your DNA was pushed in getting through this process because I'm not an MSO, you know, like, and I say I, but we're not an MSO, like I'm a local guy, like, you know, I went to school in Worcester. I graduated college in Worcester. I went to UMass for a spell. Like, you know, I, I worked in like all different sports. Like, so to me, I always had this chip to go. I'm tired of hearing how everybody else feels they can do it better than we can. We have so many smart people around here. We can do this as well as any state, as well as anybody in the world. And that was kind of my mantra. That's what I set out to do when I built this thing was like, no, we're not just going to you know, throw some lights up and put a couple of dehues in a room. We're going to build a spaceship, right? I mean, we're putting the Jetsons on this thing. Like we're building the spaceship and we're going to put out the best bud and we're going to do it competitively and we're going to do it right. And, you know, and, and that's what we set out to do. And, and fortunately today, what I can say is we've executed a lot on this, on that plan, right? Like, so we built the spaceship. It's performing. We're killing it. Our flower is outstanding. I, I don't, you know, to know me, like I, I'm not a guy that likes to make a lot of those brash and bold statements, but we've earned it now. Like we've gotten to the point where we've earned it. And, and one thing that's interesting to me that like I'm, I'm kind of watching as this whole thing unfolds, which is almost like a science experiment, right? It's like a social science, you know, experiment. It, it's how do we respond? Like how, how are the state of Massachusetts? How are people responding to what we're doing? Sure. You know, how are the grandparents? How are the kids, like the 21s and the 35s? Like, how are all these different demographics, you know, responding to what we're doing? Um, that's kind of fun for me to watch. It's fun for someone to call me up and say, listen, I never touched THC in my life, but I can't sleep. How do I jump in this game? You know, um, throughout this journey for me, it was a little bit up and down. I, uh, you know, in the early days, get diagnosed with cancer. Oh, shit. You know, young guy. You know, out of the blue, one day on the golf course, next day on the on the operating table. So I got to see, yeah. yeah and, I, and I'm not like a you know I'm not a, a, a medicine guy. I'm not a pill guy. Like I'm an, I'm like I don't even take Tylenol. You know, just just not not even my it's not my thing. Sam, <laughs> but I'm sitting there and like I'm in the hospital and these guys are like pumping me full of all these opiates and it, it's it's all day every day and I'm like hey slow down like what are you guys doing like I'm not taking another pain med stop, stop the press. Like I'm not doing anything else. And kind of going through that, like it was one of those aha moments of what I'm doing now segueing into a personal experience where like, I can see how people get impacted by the use of opiates and you know, what de debilitating conditions could ultimately lead to. And I said, here's a platform, right? There's a platform where we can affect change positively. And that's where resonate was born. It was the whole concept that we can use a platform to impact people of all demographics relatively wide reaching right all psychographics but like guys like us i mean we, we all go through this. this this isn't far 
this isn't far from the vest. I'm sure with you guys too, like you're, you're one arm out from touching somebody that's been impacted in, in this way. For sure. So we, so we changed medicinal alternatives to resonate with this concept of let's create this unity on this one platform that we can all agree on. Like forget the politics, forget the, you know, all, all the drugs, what, you know, Nancy Reagan's not walking in that door anymore. We all get it. Ain't the, it's not the gateway drug. Right. Right. So we, we can all say like, look, here's a platform where we can all agree. I can be 45 cancer survive with an entrepreneur. You can, you can be, you know, running a podcast media personality, but we can, we can sit around a table, right. And smoke a bowl and go, Hey, like, this is good. And that's what it, that's what resonate was about. I love kind that. of long-winded history, but. No, I absolutely love that. I mean, and as a fan of your product, now I even love it even more because I absolutely connect with that type of a brand and that type of a feeling. I do think that cannabis kind of evens the playing field for a lot of things. And unlike some of the other ways people relax, cannabis is very communal and it's 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 meant to be shared with whoever's around and it's meant to kind of bring people together. And I love that aspect of it. Um, it's one of the things I miss most through this whole pandemic nonsense. But uh, what was my point? I don't know. I lost my point, but it was, it, this has been, this <laughs> I'm has happy been. you say that though, because like, it, it's interesting, like watching the state and, and you see all these out of towners coming in. Right. And it's not to pick on anybody. And you see these independents and you see the economic empowerment, see all these applicants, like everyone's trying to chase this dream of doing something. And I think it's great. Like the, you need the entrepreneurial spirit to kind of push this thing. But at the end of the day, for me, it was all about it was all about the local feel. And, and look, I'll tell you guys, like, I, I probably don't have it hundred percent, right? Like we're still trying to create that community. We're still trying to get that message out there. And it's tough because cannabis, like you said it, which, which is great, right? It used to be the way it's communal, like, but it's not getting that way now. Now it's a matter of, well, is California better than, or is Maine better than mass? And you know, who, who's doing it better And these MSOs and like, what's going on? Like, you know, from a from an industry perspective, let's remember what this whole thing was about, right? I mean, medicinal benefits aside, that's one thing, but it was also, you know, you can go back to the, the Native Americans, you can go back to China in, in the 15th century, you know, treating patients for, you know, using that as um, um, a form of medicine. I, but going back to just peace and, and the social aspect of it all, that's what it's all supposed to be, you know? So to me, with Resonate, it's like we're, we're trying to push that. We're trying to push that, like, guys, let's all get back to this table. I don't care what your political affiliations are. I don't care your color, your skin. I don't care about, we don't care about any of that. Like to us, it's how do we all get here? How do we open up a platform to listen? How can we enjoy each other's presence? How can we, like, that's what cannabis was supposed to be about, right? And that's what we're pushing. We're pushing it, you know, a, a little uphill because things just have kind of gotten off the rails, right? Sure. You know, yeah. COVID and, and, you know, that's a hoax. It's not a hoax and red versus blue. Oh man. Like here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make really great cannabis products or, or we're not going to do it at all. And when we do that, we want to get good people around the table and we want to hear, Hey guys, how can we do this better? You know, what's your perspective? You know, what do you like? What, what don't you like? You know, how do we get together on that platform and advance it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When we had Alex Mazin on from Buds, um, I remembered my point. We were talking about normalizing the conversation around cam cannabis and just normalizing cannabis use in everyday society. And like my 
question to you. How do you think we're doing so far in terms, you know, we'll keep it specifically to Massachusetts. Do you feel like it's normalizing or do you feel like it's still stigma or stigmatized? Wow. I mean, that's a great, great question. Um, I think is, so the way I look at this, right, is that like, you know, and, and maybe I have a little bit more personal equity in the game, right? Like I told you guys, like being the local guy, like I feel it's a responsibility that I have to advance the, you know, to continue to erase the, the negative stigma and to advance, you know, the, the case for cannabis use. And I, and I feel that I have to do it better than probably others because I'm in the supermarket, man, right? Like I'm getting my hair cut and, and you know, this person could be like, hey, just eight to 300 milligram gummy and I'm all banged up and, you know, what, what the hell's going on? And I got to talk somebody off the ledge from giving up on the product altogether again, right? Um, but but I, I don't know, like I, I feel like it, it's getting better, but there's so much more to do. Like, you know, as an operator, we're, we're tasked with meeting all these regulatory hurdles, right? There's so much red tape of what we got to get through on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's no strike because I'm a guy, look, it is what it is. I'll play in, I'll play the game according to those rules. I don't, gonna, I don't have a problem with that. But there's still so much more that this state has to do. I still tell people all the time that we're probably in the third inning of this thing. Yes, sales are coming, but from a product maturity standpoint and from a a content maturity standpoint, and even like the, the medical research that's coming out right now is coming out. It's still at such a, a rapid pace. We're not even close to realizing the full impact of this. But all I can say is a couple things about, you know, my personal experience is number one, you know, you, you talk about the person that comes home and has a scotch, has a beer, right? You know, just to unwind for the day, like how unhealthy is that for your body, right? Like, you know, cannabis has changed that. You, you go to food and edible product you go to a vape product you go to a flower product you can achieve that wellness right better and more safely for your body with cannabis i personally think that you take you fast forward this thing 15 20 years we're going to continue to see a significant decline in, in out the alcohol consumption and i think the younger generation is going to do so much more for this industry and in getting people to understand that whole wellness concept right because once they get behind it and they're like hey i've been doing this since i was 14 and i was able to dump the adderall and all this other you know not to say that that's a bad thing some people you know but right we're, we're seeing that so i think as more of those stories come out you know and that's what like again the resonate platform how do we get that story into the hands of of people that need to hear it right i can tell you guys my story on cancer right you know, but we could talk about epilepsy. We, you know, so we could talk about seizures. We could talk about all these things. At the end of the day, we have a, a ton more to do. We're, we're not there. The operators got to drive that. It's not easy. Um, you know, I think as things begin to lighten up and federal, you know, legalization starts to evolve, it'll allow us to put more content into the market. Sure. sure. Some, will do, some will do it responsibly and some will do it to earn a buck. You know, it, that's going to be a matter of who, who do, you know, whose team do you want to be on? For sure. Um, but we're so limited in, in how we can advertise and how we can communicate with people. You know, the platforms available to us are, are few and far between. So our channels for communication, you know, we have to get extra creative. For sure. I, <clears throat> so like my own experience, I, I was a bartender for like six years 
And when in, I worked at like a bar that was exclusively craft beer, when I started craft beer, wasn't as big as it is now. So part of my job was like educating people. Cause you always get those people who come in who are like, Oh, I don't like beer. I'm like, well, that's probably, you know, that might be true, but like, what do you like? And then you get them something, you know, that we did have that was close to what they wanted and they always loved it. It's obviously easier to like, I guess like market alcohol than it is cannabis, which is completely insane to me because at the end of the day, the way to sell more and the way to like open people up to it is just by educating them. But I know that like the laws on advertising in the cannabis industry are like extremely restrictive. I absolutely want to touch on that. I'll tell you, I I get a kick out of it. Sorry, just a quick story. Please. And I tell people this all the time. Like, it's funny, you're a bartender, right? Somebody comes in, this is what I like, and you make it. You know, and I can't tell you how many times I've said to people in the store, like, listen, like, I'm going to help you, like, as as, like a a coach is to what you need. And they'll start with, well, I need something for pain. All right, well, let's try this, like, CBD one-to-one type of, let's go that way. Well, is it going to get me, is it going to give me the euphoric effects? No giving you something for pain. Well, do you have something for the euphoric effects? Listen, don't lie, don't lie to your weed doctor, all right? Yeah. <laughs> just tell us what the hell you want, we'll give it to you, all right? We got something for everybody, like, just tell the truth. You don't have to feel weird about the stigma, like, hey, I, I went in, I got my, my doctor, my license from the doctor's office, right? It's, it's, it's kind of funny, but like, I can, I'll have that conversation with people and they'll be like, all right, all right, all right, just, I'll take a little bit of everything then, you know, so it's, it's um, <laughs> I love that. Well, so like one of your things you said was like in 10 to 15 years, you know, what, what's the landscape going to look like? I would love to see, and especially here in Massachusetts, it's a return to happy hour, but happy hour is the time where restaurants can make a boon off of that five to six o'clock of people purchasing appetizers and, and doing social type events because they've imbibed or they've, you know, relaxed post-work and now they're coming together and again, creating that culture. Um, but truthfully, I want to want to touch on what Melissa brought up. I would love to hear more about some of the the regulations and some of the challenges you guys face with marketing this type of product. Well, I would say fitting everything on a label that has to go on it is one of the biggest challenges. I mean, we have to put on so much, you know, so many. This product has not been tested or approved by the FDA, and you know, to keep away from children and pets, and you know, there's just there's a whole. Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit on here. Language, yeah, that we have to try to cram on there. Um, and then, as you know, you know, we can't advertise on the radio, uh, commercial radio, or public radio, for that matter. Um, I can do print now. I can do digital, depending, no social media advertising at all. We've had our Instagram taken down three times. The first time I appealed it for 10 weeks before we got it back. Oh, my God. The second and third, it was much faster, but it's just, it's a constant battle to just, you know, stay out of the crosshairs. Right. Did they give you a reason why they took your Instagram down? They said that um, we had violated their rules about illegal drugs. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So as long as it's still federally illegal, this is the, this is their, the hill they're dying on. So. Yeah. That's tough. It's really interesting when you think about it, right? Like for years, we talk about cannabis for pain relief. And yet you have the methadone and you know types of clinics that don't support it, don't encourage it because it's, it's about making money and treating people accordingly without truly trying to find their wellness. And 
you know, I've hired many people that have unfortunately fallen to addiction over the years. I've gotten them out of rehab. I mean, we've gotten them out of jail. Um, I've worked with the work release programs and I've had more stories of people that have had success as a result of using cannabis to get off of the hard drugs versus the methadones and the suboxins, which you think about that on a, on a national level, you know, now, you know, we're not, ba- we're battling and we're fighting enough to get open, let alone the lobbyists with these, you know, larger institutions that are, are fighting to keep us out. Right. And the truth is cannabis does, it, it has been used in areas to affect sobriety positively, but by the very definition of sobriety as, as whoever may have classified it, right. It makes it wrong. And, and so, so, you know, you have that opposition and then you look at the, the alcohol industry for what they're able to do. I mean, all of our kids sitting around watching the Super Bowl, and there's the Bud Light guy dressed in armor, rolling a truck, doing a heroic thing, you know, while promoting the use of alcohol, yet we are only allowed to wear a shirt that says resonate on. Like that's so insane. It the hypocrisy of a lot of this stuff is it's off the charts. And and to Melissa's point, Whenever you're touching upon something that has any kind of federal appeal, federal federal legality, like for the most part, we're out of the discussion. Yeah. Even companies that operate federally cannot work with us, even if it was, you know, in any context. You know, so there's there's those types of challenges will eventually go away. I think that they will. Um, love seeing you know you know prisoners being freed for ridiculous charges. Yes. applying to, to cannabis use. It's, um, but yeah, that's why I think when you talk about the 10 to 15 years and we think about, could we be sitting in a cafe, having a coffee, smoking, you know, the J I hope so. I hope we get to the point where we understand what these, what these products are for, for what they are, you know, and that we shouldn't be given advantages to any particular industry just simply because of the lobbying dollars, you know, being pumped into Washington. I wonder if we'll see the first ever, uh, cannabis Super Bowl ad in that 10 to 15 year window. Yeah. Oh, you would have to imagine. That's that going to be somebody. I, yeah. but oh, like, yeah. You have Schumer starting his conversations, what, two days ago, Friday, I think they had their first meeting where they're already talking about now with a, a more democratic held Senate and House, the likelihood of the path to national legalization seems tangible. And yeah. I agree, like if we actually get there, holy crap. Like how much better our culture is going to be with, with being able, I hear about some of the stuff in other States, like in Colorado, they have like dipped keef dipped and wackiness. And I'm still waiting to see some of that kind of fun, more, you know, it's fully recreational. We understand that there's not a lot of healing properties in this, that this is meant for a good time, but that's okay. You're selling freaking what is that shit called? The, oh man, the stuff with caffeine and alcohol in it. Oh, like oh, those four, four loco. Yeah. yeah. You four can't loco. tell me four locos anything better than yeah. anything available. <laughs> Small world. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's interesting. The conversation around federal legalization is, is a really wide reaching one. And what I mean by that is like, I, this, this is huge push. We hear it as voters, right? We support cannabis. So we're like, this thing should go federally legal. And I mean, I think number one, what we really want to see is the decriminalization across the board, right? And the proper scheduling of the products, right? 
let's start with that and eliminate that. You know, the next thing that I think that we got to do is as we begin to figure this out, there are independents out there and, and I'm always going to support the independent. I, I'm up against the Walmarts of the world. You know, we, we see the multi-state operators, the Curaleafs and the Verilifes and all these big guys, they come into the market, but we're Massachusetts people, right? Like we're going to be here. Federal legalization can impact how the states are going to conduct business. And we could easily see this industry go from where it is today, where you have more independence and you have individual store owners to this thing becoming an, or, you know, an, an industry run by just the large public companies. Yeah. I like the fact that where we are today, it gives us all an ability to compete, to service our markets, to appeal to our communities. I just don't like the criminalization aspect of it. Um, and the other thing that like concerns me about it is that you know, we start talking about federal legalization and now we're talking about international trade as well. Now, granted, these things can push out, but it, it'll be difficult to compete with, you know, areas of, you know, say south of the border and even north of the border where they have, they're paying electrical and labor costs to a fraction of what we're paying to exist in, in these states. So that concerns me because I don't want to see people lose jobs. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's a huge. While like we can all sit and and beat up on, hey, can't wear this T-shirt or I can't do this. There's some comfort to the, the rules of the game as they exist today. If you're truly invested in your product and you're really invested in your community, I mean, and like I said, that's what we're all in on that. That's fantastic. You know? I I do really dig your uh, your hashtag shine your light. Um, I. I Curious what you keep you keep bringing up. I noticed that you guys are selling merchandise in store now, and it's basically just a logo. And you keep bringing up that you can only put so much on your, on your like. What kind of regulations are you guys facing there? Can you not do slogans on a T-shirt? Well, we we can't do any colloquial or actual references to marijuana or marijuana sense. branded products, um, which is something that I am. I wish we could do because come on, guys. Let's be honest. Half the fun is the strains, right? Bingo. You know, I love breath. That. I mean, one of my favorite you know, things is my, my mother-in-law is a medicinal patient and she's 60 plus, And I love when she reads the strains that the things she's smoking, like <laughs> lava cake or. So, yeah. Right. That's my favorite. Lava cake. Right. So, you know, I'd love to be doing shirts and, and art around, you know, that and, and things of that nature, but we're just, you know, we're just not there yet, which again is it's fine. It is what it is. Those are the rules. You know, we just gotta, you know, we just gotta, keep trying to push it and make our case. Um, and it'll come around. It, it will definitely come around. The one thing I always like to say to everybody is that, you know, again, as a Massachusetts guy, a lot of people critique our rules. They critique the CCC. They critique operators in the state and such. Um, you, you know, but, I, but I'll tell you, like, as an industry, the one thing I like is our testing standards are pretty brutal, right? There aren't enough testing labs. But for those that can operate within the rules effectively, we have the capability of putting out some of the most healthiest, you know, and, and most effective strains of cannabis out in the market. And I hear, you know, people comment about all these other states and, well, it's easier to work here. It's easier to work there. 
I think that's going to be one thing that's coming on the horizon that people are going to have to realize is that when federal legalization comes out, whether or not this is regulated under a cannabis body or the FDA, you know, we're going to see a lot of standardization. And I, I can, at that time, I think Massachusetts may end up becoming more of a leader in the space than, you know, where it is today. Because, I mean, it's, it's unheard of. Like, what we have to adhere to, um, as far as the testing standards go, it's, it's a challenge. And we've been lucky. Like, again, the spaceship allows us not to, you know, we're passing our test results. So, you know, we built it the right way, and that's half the battle. But, you know, you look at even what they're doing for concentrates and, and, and the parts per million of what you need to, you know, of, of the um, solvents and such that you need to get out of the material. It's, it's pretty aggressive, pretty aggressive. And it's a higher standard than we see in, in other states. So why is that? I, I, why? Well, you know, I think Massachusetts is always going to take the position of, you know, how do, how do we demonstrate leadership? And sometimes we're obviously going to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's more stringent now than it, it will be in five or 10 years, you know, and people beat up, you know, Governor Baker when the vape crisis happened. And it's like, you know, and, and people came to me and said, well, you know, what do you think about this? This is, this is bullshit. We should, you know, how could they? And I said, it, it, I would never in a million years want somebody to die from a cannabis product that I produced. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's not what this thing is about. Like, if we got to take a little bit of a time out over the course of 60 days and figure out, hey, what the hell is going on here? Who's, who's dirty in the pot? What, what's, what's going on? Then it's, it's for the benefit. Um, you know, so I know it's probably ironic to hear you guys hear from a cannabis guy that says that he supports as much as they do, but I, I support maturity in an industry that is better off for the consumer, yep. right? And these, these are the little things. And, and I'll tell you guys, I traveled the country when I, when I started this thing, I, I went out and I went to California and I went to Vegas and Colorado and I went to all the mature states and I met all different operators. And I'll, and I'll tell you a quote that I heard from an operator that said, you know, Pete, we want to be in business with you in Massachusetts. Uh, we'll get some stuff here. We want to help you. Right. We're going to give you all this money. We're going to help you. And I went by their lab and I saw a cart and it wasn't a live resin cart. It was just it was a distillate cart that they were producing. And it was like, I'm not going to say black, but it was dark, dark, you know. And I said to him, hey, man, like not for nothing. Like, is that you know, your quality standard there? Is that what you you guys you know, typically produce out? Like you know, it's, it's a little bit darker for my preference. And the response that I, I received was, you could put shit in a bottle and put THC on it and people will buy it. So when you think about that, that's coming from a, a, a regulated operator. Now, I'll put it back to you guys, because listen, we've all bought from the black market over the years, right? Yeah. And I have no problem with the black market. I have no problem whatsoever. But what I, you know, there's a difference. There are operators in both markets, the regulated and the black that aren't in it for the right reasons, right? And that's what I try to tell people, like you might pay a little bit more. We, we you know, a little bit more for our products and you might on the black market, exception of bulk, probably, right? You know, but you're gonna be guaranteed that your health is gonna be front and center versus, or at least it should be. So that, so I supported the vape crisis because we had an opportunity to go back to operators that were cutting corners to push profit out in the street, right? Rather than putting high quality products and that changed the game. 
So, you know, we, we got to kind of watch this stuff. We, we got to keep pushing it. If Massachusetts is going to go front and center on that, you know, all right. It's an inconvenience. Yeah, it costs people a lot of money. But this thing's not supposed to be hurting people either. Yeah. yeah. It's also got to set a standard. So now everybody else in the country is going to hold Massachusetts as the place to be because their butt's going to be the premium stuff because it goes under the regulation and it's the safest. And I don't see the downside. Yeah, it's annoying, but for the culture as a whole or for the business as a whole, it absolutely raises the entire standard. Yeah. And I'd like to see, and my goal has always been like, how do we rally around? Like, let's, it's too easy, right? Guys, it's shooting fish in a barrel. We all want to complain about, hey, I got to get up to work this morning. The boss wants to be there at nine. Look, that's the rule, man. You got to go to work, right? So here's the cannabis game. This is what it is. Like, do you want to say that like our, you know, our, our products are coming out, they're being regular, regulated to a higher standard and we're putting out high quality stuff and we, we care about our kids. Is, is that the approach or is it? No, let's, let's continue to allow like what we saw in California, right? They were allowing all the black market operators to sell up into the legal market. Where does that stuff come from? How are you testing it? How do you make sure? They could say, Pete, come on, man. It's been weed. It hasn't killed anybody in a hundred years. I get that, but we're getting smarter with it, right? We're making more concentrates. We're seeing things like COVID that are impacting the respiratory system at a much more aggressive rate. Like there are things happening that we just got to pay attention to, you know? Sure. Even just the understanding of terpenes and and learning about the different things that we didn't ever knew. And now this whole entourage effect of understanding that you really want the balance and that every person is going to react. It's all fascinating, but you're right. It's all brand new science because we're just really trying to treat this shit seriously. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, this is the part of the journey that is the most fun, right? Because you're watching this thing in real time and yeah. you get people that will have a different perspective, you know, and, you know, for me, it's like, all right, you know, as an operator, I'm going to, I want to carry a higher level of responsibility. That's just how I want to do it. Um, you know, we can say the right things. We can invest in content. We can, we can try to push the research out there. It's difficult to find it's coming, you know, but you can still coach people in the right direction to get the right products that they need. And, you know, I, it, again, it's too easy. I just feel like it's too easy for me to criticize the regulators and to criticize the industry. Thank God this has happened on, on our watch. Yeah. How, how awesome is it that we get to watch Prohibition 2.0? Right. And we'll all criticize the shit. Seriously. Out, right. But I mean, it, it's, but it is what it is. Like, this is history in the making. 10 to 15 you know? years, we're going to look back and we'll be like, holy crap, can you imagine we went through all that stuff? How awesome is it now? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm look, looking forward to. You know, so I like it. It, it, the journeys, it's, it's been great, but you get, you know, as you kind of go back to like, how's this history? How do you get here? It's like, we went through the, this ridiculous application process, right? Challenging, you're learning, you're studying, you're building, and then the banks don't want to lend any money. And, and I'll tell you guys, like, this is an interesting subject, right? Because a lot of the language that we've been hearing now is around social equity and economic empowerment, Right. And I'm just a local yokel from Worcester. You know, it's funny. Like I had this one guy who's a, a business partner of mine. He goes, at some point we were talking about doing this work together. And he goes, you know something? You're just a scrapper from Worcester. And I went, well, I, I can look at that. <laughs> but my point about that is that like this, is, this industry isn't just riddled with corporate giants. Like 
they're riddled with mom and pops that have laid it out all, all on the lines. Like, you know, like us, like being part of that is, you know, it's pretty unbelievable. So I don't know. I look, I just try to look at the rules. I try to look at the industry. I try to look at where we're going and go, if you stay focused on what you're doing in your backyard and you put out only what you'd smoke, you know, and, and I'll tell you, Melissa will attest to this. My team goes crazy because there's strains that I won't release and the team loves it. And they're like, come on, yeah. why won't we release it? I'm like, no, it's, it's, you know, I maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't like the look. Um, it's gotta be all there. Like we gotta, we have to demonstrate leadership in everything that we do. And if it's not going to be there, no, we'll send it to the lab. We'll, we'll, we'll go make something else. Um, that's the approach that we're going to take and everything that we're going to put out. That's yeah. unbelievably impressive. We had a, we had a strain called Mojito that was delicious, but that that was a no go. So, <laughs> if it's worth Just, doing, it's worth doing right. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing about it is, like, you know, you look at it and you go, "Here's a strain that comes out, right?" And you guys will appreciate this. You know, you've probably grown a couple, you know, back in the day as well, right? So, you know, some yeah, of back it in the day. Yeah, right, right. You know, maybe once in my parents, uh, you know, basement when, when they, you know, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, you're not always going to see those huge nugs, not with every strain, right? And, you know, we've had some that have just been, they've been smaller buds, but they're high quality. But if I put that out there, I'm going to, we're going to get torn apart by people that say, well, look at this strain, da, 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 because the market has grown to be somewhat cynical. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. But my opinion is, what we're going to put in that container has got to be premium all day, every day. It's, it's going to be a certain amount of, of nugs that are in there. It has to have a certain quality profile. It's got to look, it's got to smell, and it's got to have the potency. It's got to have it all. And, and if it doesn't have it, yeah. It, okay. So maybe I'm being a little bit too stringent. I'll accept that. I'll accept being more stringent about my quality. I have no problem. With that. You have high standards for your brand. That's it. That's how it should be. But it's hard to get that out there. It's sure. I'm telling you guys seriously because it's it's kind of like microbrews, right? We've all become a critic of the things that we enjoy, you know. And I oh, think, yeah. but you can enjoy one without disparaging the other. But in cannabis, it's it's like we all have this uh, standard or this vision of how it's supposed to be, and if it doesn't fit there, then our way is better than somebody else's. Again, that's all back to that platform of resonate and that common, you know, it's like, let's not tear each other apart in the process. Let's just demonstrate to everybody that we can do it the best way. Right. And I'll respect your product for what it is. And hopefully you'll respect mine. Everybody hike your own hike. That's, <laughs> you know, kind of shine your light, hike your own hike. Travis, I'm glad you brought, like, those are the concepts that we were going for. Is I it love that stop? new branding and yeah, please. Yeah, don't don't follow, don't get criticized, don't don't listen to everybody else. A THC is going to do this, and you know the cannabis is that. No, you you do you. You come out, and and we're gonna you know we're gonna celebrate that. We're gonna celebrate you as a consumer, as a patient. You know we're gonna celebrate the industry and the pros, but you know we're also gonna be real about the cons, and they're they're out there. Um, there there are, are things that need improvement, and again I. I don't sit back and engage in a lot of the fights that the industry has. I mean, you know, to me, that's not what this thing's about. You know, um, we saw the economic empowerment case, right? We saw the, the social equity case where uh, many of the operators challenged the three-year exclusivity period of economic 
app, um, economic empower, empowerment applicants having that exclusive for things like delivery. You know, and it's pretty interesting. And, and to me, like we, di we didn't engage in that. That's not, it wasn't in our corporate culture to do so, but it was, you know, and, and on the grounds of, of offering you a little controversy, here's, here's my perspective. <laughs> um, I, I didn't like it. I didn't agree with it. And the reason I didn't like it is because you're going to tell me that these applicants are only capable of being better delivery operators. What the hell is that all about? Yeah. Right? Like, so wait a minute, guys, like we've done all this thing as an industry, but hold on. Economic empowerment applicants are the best delivery operators. We're going to give them a three-year exclusive. No, it shouldn't be just about one isn't segment. It about, isn't it about leveling the playing field too? Isn't exactly. It about supposedly giving them a leg up. Exactly. And maybe the train left the station a little bit later, you know, but there's a lot of those things that are in there and the regs that are good. Like for example, a lot of the fees are waived. And these fees are expensive. I mean, I just re-upped my license. Again, I'm, I'm just the scrapper from Worcester. It cost me 10 grand just to, you know, now if, if you're in economic empowerment, you don't have to pay those licensing fees. That's an advantage. But I think the vision for that shouldn't have been one thing. Don't just say, we're going to give you this aspect of the business. It needed to be thought through a little bit better, I sure. guess is what yeah. I wanted to see. So when, when I had applicants come to me and say, would you work with me on delivery? I said, yeah, of course we will. Of course we will. Why wouldn't we? You know, and they said, well, do you agree or disagree? I said, I agree that you, you know, this is a good step in helping communities and applicants that need it. But I think we could have done it better. I don't disagree with that. I mean, and again, it does feel like it was rushed and it was a, at its core, it was meant to be a good natured gesture, but in that it was wrapped up in a whole bunch of stuff that's really gonna have a lot of effect and it wasn't really fully thought through. I would have liked to have seen more retailers. I would have liked to see potentially more cultivators. I think that there are things that the regulatory environment could have done to provide them with a better platform to achieve that goal. And I don't think that that's where I'll criticize a little bit of the CCC. like you created this, this issue of them versus us. And that's not right. Like that shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have been, you know, you take a guy like, you know, Alex Mason. I mean, he, he goes out there and he puts all he has into opening buds and opening these other stores. He had no idea to know, you know, no, you know, no ability to know when he started this thing that an exclusivity, you know, clause was going to come out to regulate a small component of the business that he might have wanted to jump into. But if he just wanted to do that, but if he didn't want to spend his whole family, you know, you know, fortune or, you know, or back, you know, on, on the retail business that I can sympathize with, you know? Um, but I think sometimes we get hung up in what's easier that the path of least resistance is always easier, right? Instead of maybe taking a deeper look and affecting some better change. That's, that's what I would have liked to see because my argument to them is I'm an operator guys. Like I'm a manufacturer by trade. That's what I do. Like, so I'm always focused on continuing, you know, process improvement, lean manufacturing, et cetera. So to me, it's like, let's peel back the onion. Let's, let's get a really good look at this thing. Let's make it a hundred times better. Um, I, I feel like we, we stumbled on that one, you know, I, I, 
they deserve they deserve a better way to operate than just saying here's a delivery license come on that's that's not right i mean it's not right you know I, I, and I also believe the bulk of those applicants probably would have done better as store owners and operators than delivery because it's not easy. You know, not easy running a delivery business. I know Amazon has made it to believe, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, all right. Yeah, I got nothing. Sorry. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> um, just to kind of curve us back towards Resonate and we'll kind of close us up this way. I mean... So I did bring up that hike your own hike. I love that you guys are inventing these new brands. Um, Melissa, I don't know if you want to share anything about kind of where you envision this brand going or kind of like, I love the packaging around it. How did you guys kind of conceive this and where's it heading? <laughs> I think we were, we were sitting around uh, in a, in a staff meeting, just sort of brainstorming and trying to come up with a good idea for a multi-pack because it was something we had wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and uh <laughs> I had hiked the Appalachian Trail when I was 15, part of it. And so the whole, you know, I came across Hayo and I was like, ah, hike your own hike. I mean, that's perfect because everyone's can't, you know, I mean, I stopped smoking cannabis when I was 15 years old because it made me paranoid. And now here I am smoking it every day as an adult and having a completely different experience with it. So, you know, and I, and I see with like the staff at the retail stores, uh, it's just great talking to them, the, you know, they're for the most part young and their attitude is so open and um, willing to try and ex you know experiment and explore so we were just trying to sort of capture the fact that there's the a, a cannabis consumer is could be anybody you know there really is no uh, cookie cutter way to describe uh, who uses cannabis and the reasons why so having that the train map and using the hios plus you know hi hio you know it's a little cheesy but you know there it is <laughs> i love i love bad puns or plays on or good good puns wordplay so, yeah exactly pretty much the story of that <laughs> but I'm, I'm i'm thrilled that you like it oh i mean it it resonated with me truthfully uh <laughs> Well, no, because I mean, as as somebody that also loves to imbibe and then go out and explore nature, like it it really spoke to me as a consumer and spoke to me as a customer that like, yeah, you you nailed it. This is what I'm going to do with your product. And it feels like, you know, this little box is speaking to me. And I love the clever little <laughs> push button thing on the side. And you, Yeah, that's, that's the yep. other thing I've been just fascinated. I mean, as a graphic designer, I love seeing the packaging and I love seeing the clever ways people are um, putting this stuff out. The Oh, man. I didn't write down the name. Whoever has that pinch top bag with the two textured bits. Oh yeah. My least favorite. That is I hate the, that. Ah, that is like, my least favorite. That's, you end up getting a knife and, and slashing the shit out of it, basically. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. But yeah. packaging, you you could do an entire show on packaging. I mean, it's Agreed. actually really fascinating. Yeah. Agreed. What kind of challenges have you guys seen? I know you fitting all the information now has been the thing. <laughs> There, there's that. And then, you know, part of the reason we were using the box for the Hios is because we found a company in California where they're, they're, they're producing those boxes in the United States. Oh, so, cool. Cool. you know, and they're recyclable and it's just, it's just nice because as I'm sure you're aware, the cannabis industry has a huge plastics problem. So we're also trying to look at alternative ways to package things where we're not just adding to all the landfills and you know ocean debris and everything else so that's definitely a priority for us i'd say is being being aware of the environment 
Yeah, that's a hard one. Like we we were trying to remain purely sustainable, you know, with with all of our products, but it, it's just hard to avoid just the sheer amount of plastics. But we did begin to change. Um, we have been moving in that direction with like the Hyo box, and we we have taken the position that we want to use all local vendors when we can. Um, the California box definitely came in. It was, uh, you know, kind of checked all the boxes for what we wanted because, you know, some of these packages you point out, they're so difficult to open. It's, it's like overkill. Um, so I think Melissa has done a really nice job of being able to find those. And, you know, I, I think, I think she's just being very nice when she says, you know, her, her challenge has just been, uh, you know, the designer or et cetera. I think it's more so, uh, getting, getting me to agree <laughs> with their position, yeah, but that, that's the funny thing about the Hyos. I just, I just sent it off. <laughs> Cause I was yeah. like, oh, no. if I show this to Peter one more time, who knows what's going to happen. So I was like, <laughs> well, okay, cross my fingers and hide under my desk. <laughs> <laughs> but we like, but that was a, you know, it's, it's a good concept. I mean, it all, it all tries to, you know, we, we try to get it to all fit within that brand of, you know, just be yourself and, and don't ask any more questions about it. You know, just yeah. do you, you know, I love Going back, jumping back to, to like social media and stuff. Um, now I know we talked about like how hard it is to, to advertise anything on social media in the cannabis world. Are there restrictions on what you can advertise? Like, okay. If you were to kind of lean into explaining what you guys just explained to us about how when it comes to packaging, you're trying to lean more towards like, you know, staying green and stuff like that. Are you guys allowed to talk about that a little bit more in terms of like what you post on social? Yeah. I mean, as long as we're avoiding um, any kind of benefits uh, involving the use of cannabis, um, any kind of cartoonish, Type of, I mean, we can't do anything that'll appeal to anybody under the age of 21. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, any, any, so we can do things and, and we try to, like, we try to do things more in line with like what we're doing for positive impact. So many of us have a positive impact plan, right? Like it's, it's a requirement. We have one. Um, and we like to promote that. You know, we've done, we've, we've handed out um, food at shelters. Um, we're supporting the local sheriff's office, uh, the, the Worcester sheriff's office through a number of different venues that help um, all people of all different ages, uh, those in areas of disproportionate income. Um, we're, we're helping a homeless shelter right now that, that provides services to vets, um, you know, both, you know, overnight, you know, care as well as, you know, food. Um, we've been donating regularly to the Friendly House in Worcester um, to help families in need. So, you know, we're trying to put more of that, you know, type of language out there as to who we are as, as a brand. And diversity has been another area that we've been quite proud of. Um, our staff, like we, we monitor our diversity percentages, meaning women, you know, minorities, LGBTQ. And I mean, right now we're hovering at over 60% diverse as a staff. Which, that's awesome it, it, it's it's unbelievable because it's like you know this those that'll talk the talk and those that'll walk the walk and yeah it, i'll tell you it, you know and melissa said it right like with even with our, our younger staff that's in there i mean they're smart they're capable they're talented um you know sometimes warm. it's hard for me i'm like how did how did i all of a sudden become the old guy in the room but <laughs> 
but they're they're incredibly talented, and we try to encourage as many ideas from them as possible because they're you know again there's just a lot of a lot of strong talent you know in this region. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of your staff. I I love going in. I think everybody every bud tender I've talked to is equally knowledgeable and friendly and. They're just one of your friends. And now when I walk in, it feels like I'm going to the bar because I'll end up waving to Tony and waving back this way. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it just, it's how yeah. it ends up being. And I love that. I, it it's just, it feels be. so welcoming. And now it's part of the community. And they love to talk about it. You know, I, I'll be honest. Like it got to the point where we opened, it was like, okay, we got to bring everybody up to speed. We got to train people on their products. Um, they, they've blown so far beyond me uh, in the industry. Like now it's a matter of, okay, uh, one of you come over here and help me. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, they're just, they're great students of the game. It's so impressive to see. It's like, yeah, okay, guys, we all like cannabis. You want to try it, but they take the extra steps. Like they try all the products. Like they're, I mean, they're just little they're brand ambassadors that are, are truly, um, it's a great team. It's a great team. Yeah, you guys have done a fantastic job at building a, a good staff. And oh, it's fun to interact with as a customer. So. Um, I believe that's probably going to do us. Is there any other questions you have, Ricky? No, I'm good. Man. That was super interesting. I love hearing about the, like the social media stuff is pretty much where my mind always goes for everything. Anytime we ever have anybody on the show. So it's really interesting talking to, you know, in an industry that is so restricted and kind of hearing the ins and outs of that. love that. It's hard. I'll tell you, Ricky and, and, uh, you know, Melissa will attest to this. Um, it, you know, when we started, uh, we had a marketing company that we used. And when we, you guys might find this interesting. You know, we were trying to like share this concept of Resonate. And they said to us, you know, you're not going to be able to pull this off. Like you're, you're too wide reaching. Like you're trying to appeal to everybody. And that's like, you know, and that, okay, made some sense, Right. Everybody's going to operate within a certain demographic, like people, you know, but for what we were trying to achieve, it's like, but you guys don't understand, like, this is cannabis. All, all rules are off. And the challenge when it pertains to social media really is how can you keep pushing that kind of that concept and that, that lifestyle. And, and, and it's, it's not easy given the limitations, you know, we, we try to put in, different pictures and we try to mix up different images and we try to do all these things strategically to appeal to different audiences. But the truth is even social media is changing at such a rapid pace. Oh the, yeah. The fluctuations that we see between all the different platforms, where it's going, how to do it. Um, you know, everyone's looking at each other. Everyone's, you know, adjusting their strategies. Like it, it, it's unbelievable. That's what you see in the game right now. And it's, it's, it's difficult. It certainly is a challenge, but for us, you know, we're, we're trying to push more of this concept. We're trying to get people to understand that, that resonate concept. And it's, and it's just not easy. It's a challenge for us to even get there. Um, you know, which is why it's great. And again, I, I can't thank you guys enough for getting us on here because it gives us the ability to, to say it, you know, and, and why, right? Because if, if your grandmother is going to come into the store at 7075, you're going to know that we're going to put her in a product that's going to be real. It's going to be responsible. And it's not going to be about just moving dollars. Right. That, that's just not going to happen on our watch. You know, yeah. that's, that's where it's got to go. I love that. 
Me too. That's great. Well, I guess the last thing we can say is how do people find resonate? Like where can they find you online and where can they find you in the city or in the state, I should say? Good locations. So, yeah, our website is iresonate.com. I know it's a little play on the Apple, what I, you know. Um, but I resonate, it's that concept, right? It resonates with me, I resonate. So iresonate.com. Um, you can purchase online. Uh, you cannot conduct a, a, a financial transaction, but you can order online. You can come into the store. So we are allowing in-store shopping. Um, we're proud to say that we have had very few COVID infections from day one. Um, and we have certainly not seen any levels of reinfection or, or high infection rates within our store. Um, you know, we've had single like one-offs that have been remedied and that's been it. People that kind of brought it in, but have left. So it is a safe, very large in-store experience. We do encourage people to use curbside. Um, they can pull up right to the front of the store. We walk out, it's an easy process. Um, so from the website to the store at 1191 Millbury Street in Worcester, we're over by the uh, Walmart off of 146. Uh, and then we're out in Northampton. We open our second store in November. 110 Pleasant Street, Northampton. And let me tell you guys, like, I'm sure you've been in Northampton, like phenomenal community. Yeah. Um, you know, the first mayor in the Commonwealth to eliminate the host community agreement fees without any encouragement from the market. So you talk about a progressive city um, that is truly looking out for their people, um, you know, just a very hospitality oriented industry. If you're looking for fun, you want to get out of town, grab a hotel, go have a great meal out in Northampton. Um, you know, the, the staff enjoys it, but very happy to be there. So we have the two stores um, and currently on the website, we have a third uh, that we've been working on in Grafton. Cool. Um, oh, cool. As well. So look, we're going to stay busy. We got our lab and kitchen that are going online this month. So to date, we've only been selling our own flour, but we are, we've now installed a hydrocarbon-based um, lab uh, extraction facility, and we have a kitchen that's, uh, we have a gummy line, and we have a chocolate line that we're going to be rolling out. Um, we're Ooh. very excited about that, but I can't say any more about it at this time. Understand. I am also very excited to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we're busy. This will be another go. crazy year, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun. That sounds incredible. Well, we can't, yeah, we can't wait to hear more when this. We'll get you guys out for a tour. That's going to be the next one. We'll do a follow-up and have you guys out for a tour. Don't you yeah. me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, Peter, this has been fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, that was a blast. It's always super interesting getting to talk to anybody in the cannabis industry. I mean, I know like, Obviously, you know a lot about cannabis. I don't, so I always learn a lot more whenever we have these types of conversations, especially on the like marketing and advertising side. I love hearing kind of like the ins and outs because I know there's a lot of restrictions on what they can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked at Resonate. It seems like they've got a really cool operation going. I know it's like your favorite spot to go to. So It just happens to be my nice local spot too. So it, it's, it's a win-win that they yeah. offer good product and they're a good spot that's close to me. So it's like, yeah, it's really suitable to me. I still want to go out and explore every single dispensary in the city. Like now that I'm writing for Pulse, it just makes sense. But they, from talking to Peter and Melissa, like 
everything that they're doing is the kind of ethics that I believe in. I love that they're concentrating locally. Like I love that they're Worcester people for, from our area, just trying to yeah. raise up people from our area. I cannot tell you how enjoyable I find the people like the bud tenders over at resonate, like between Ty, between like, I, I just talked to all these people, Chris. Um, oh man. I always fucking do this. I have a problem with retaining information, like like trying to come up with information quickly if I'm stressed out. Dude, I'm the worst name guy in the world. Tony. Like, <laughs> but if I see these people, if I walk in and I'm nice and calm, I'll say, hi, Chris. Hi, Ty. Hi, Tony. But like, hi, Lisa. Like, I know all these people, but like when I get nervous and try to, oh my God, I got to remember these names. I used to do that too when I was in the band. Like I would always forget the first line of a song and then I fucking useless. Okay. But if I know the first word, I can unlock the rest of the song. It's weird. Right. Long story short, go check out Resonate. Thank you very much, uh, you two, for coming on and sharing us some information. Yeah, that was, that was a blast. Can't wait to, you know, potentially do some more with those guys in the future. They're, yeah. they're a good. Pumped on that. Yeah. Is it about that time? It's about that same time. It is with that good, good, Solon. Stokes and pokes, and stokes and pokes, stokes and pokes and stokes and pokes. Stokes and pokes and stokes and pokes and stokes and pokes and stokes and pokes. All right, stokes and pokes time. I will start with my poke because there is weird social interactions that we as humans find ourselves into where we think we are on the side of good and what happens or what transpires is not even necessarily the way we thought it was going to go nor was it really the way it should have. Anyway, let me explain. I went to a local restaurant to go pick up some food, ordered it online. Now, the way they had it set up, there was a big group of people all together in the same party and they were all there standing. So it was really confusing as to like, which side you go on, whatever. So there's just this kind of like group of people formed around the table, two lines are on either side. This big ass group of people walks away, clearing a whole bunch of space. I noticed that there is a young woman there that's been there like right after me and somebody else that got there before us. I'm standing by the table. The attendant comes out to ask who's next. And in this time, this smarmy motherfucker parks his big ass truck in a parking spot where he's not even supposed to be, comes across and plants his ass right across the the, the way from the table up on a snowbank and he's on his phone so he's just he's a fucking asshole and i hate him already because he's just something about him i don't know there's just something about him i don't like the person comes out and asks who's next and this dude starts talking up and i'm like dude you ain't next i've been here longer than you and she's been here longer than us and the attendant um kind of stops me and he's like whatever um takes this kid's name, Andrew. I'm never going to fucking forget you, Andrew. Uh, and they'll get to my point. It takes my name. Turns out my order's not ready. And the person comes out and tells me that they're not going to make it ready out of spite if I just waited my turn. This dude gets his food, like immediately walks past me, gives me this <laughs> fucking laugh, which boils my fucking blood. Meanwhile, I thought I was doing something like so I walk, I'm getting myself mad right now thinking about it. I walk over to the girl and I'm like, God, oh, don't you hate when assholes win? She's like, yeah, but it's, it's confusing. And she gave me like a nice little reality check. And I'm like, all right, calm down. And I just waited there and she got her food and then somebody else got their food. And then my food came out. 
which was fine. And, you know, I wish they attended a good day and, and went about my way. And it drove me crazy because here I am thinking, I thought I was being helpful. And I, I basically turned a social interaction into a negative one for me. Like it just didn't paint me in the best of light. And it fucking, so I've been, I've been playing that over in my head all weekend. Don't let it stress you out. Isn't it so stupid though? And that's what I'm poking. Like these, these stupid social, like nobody else is thinking about me. I'm sure this kid has already forgotten about it and he's moved on with his life. He has no idea where the fuck I am. Yeah. But I'm never going to forget you, Andrew. Just kidding. Damn it, Andrew. Damn it, Andrew. So anyway, but I am stoked because on that same adventure, because Sarah and I had a Saturday together and we joked about it like it's an adventure now. In pre-times, this would just be a normal Saturday. We went to three spots and picked up supplies. <laughs> yeah, what? I know. Crazy. But the second spot on our journey was to go visit Mrs. Morricone out at the sprinkler factory. She's been I popping up. You. Oh, my God. That ice cream, man. That ice cream is so friggin' good. Like, it is just very rich and creamy. And so goddamn delicious. And we, we ended up walking away with like $30 worth of ice cream, you know, a whole bunch of half pints and pints. And hi. And we've been slowly eating ice cream all weekend. If you haven't tried Mrs. Morricone's ice cream, go get your hands on some because it's so goddamn good. I haven't tried her ice cream. I, I think the only thing I've had from her is when I, when I worked at Greater Good, she dropped off like cheesecakes or something. Yep. Cheesecake is in her yeah. wheelhouse. Those were like absolutely incredible. She's been really working hard on getting her ice cream stuff up and running where she needed special equipment. She needed some way to distribute it. And then the pandemic hit. She was going to, you know, have a, a brick and mortar place months ago, but everything just keeps getting screwed around. So yeah. she just invested in a cart and she's going to be doing the farmer's market with the freezer cart. Dude, that's so sick. Yeah. It's super, super, super cool. And I'm so pumped for her. She is very salt of the earth, normal human being. Like she's probably one of the most vulgar people I've ever, not vulgar in a sense of being gross, but vulgar in the sense of just letting language fly. Yeah. She was a firefighter and a, a EMT or paramedic. She was a, she was a first responder. That's why I was, she's a first responder. So she, she can deal with a sense of our sort of a portion of life that most of us would be squeamish about. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so takes that passion and puts it in her product. She studied ice cream at the, like, the French Culinary Institute. She studied dairy. Like she knows her shit and it shows. So big fan of Mrs. Morricone's. Can't, can't suggest it highly enough. What do you got for the people? Hell yeah. <clears throat> okay, so my quote is my need for a disruptive sleep schedule for me to feel normal. Um, the last two nights, we, Naomi and I both have fallen asleep on the couch watching TV. Um, normally it's just me who does that. And then we go to bed, but like we both fell asleep for like four hours the other night, woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and I was like, Oh my God. So then we like get up, brush our teeth and go to bed, but then we can't sleep. So you're like up for another, you know, two hours, just sitting there tossing and turning, or in my case, just scrolling Twitter. Um, and like it, I, I know it's not like the healthiest way to live. And that's not like how I lived for half my life was like this weird, like series of well-placed naps throughout the day was how I got any rest. That has not been the case the last, you know, probably two years. I've been much better at getting 
an adult amount of sleep and going to bed at normal adult times and getting up at adult times in the morning. Um, so yeah, so to have these, like these two nights in a row where my sleep is very much disrupted, I actually feel fucking wonderful today. I feel very much like I feel creative. I feel inspired. I'm stoked. I wish I like wrote down all the crazy ideas I had at three in the morning last night and the night before, but I didn't, but it's just like it, it's very much like my sweet spot is this weird in between of like, am I like super tired or like what's going on? So yeah, I don't know. My poke is just me not being able to like do anything on a normal amount of sleep. I need this weird pocket. I feel you though. Like I think there's a thing as too much sleep and I find sleep to be extremely inconvenient. Like I, I don't like getting tired. I wish I could just go. I wish sleep is i wish i didn't need it like i love sleeping i like the i love i do love that and i love i like what i really love is like naps naps just don't make sense for like my life now um and i don't need them because i go to bed at night but like before before that i i lived on a nap it was beautiful but yeah no so i'm like big fan of naps yeah i'm glad i'm glad you're buzzing right thanks man um my stoke I am really excited about, to the shock of absolutely nobody, I'm excited about social media. Um, It's become extremely stale, in my opinion. A lot of things like Facebook's an absolute nightmare. Instagram is a nightmare. Twitter's always been like my jam. Um, But like over the last couple of weeks, I got an invite to Clubhouse which at first I wasn't really sure if that was going to be a thing for me. It is. I listen to clubhouse conversations all day at work. It's super interesting being able to be in a, like kind of like a conference call with, you know, the CEO of Netflix and like all these types of things has been really eye-opening. It's, it's, it's really exciting. I'm intrigued to see where that stuff goes right now. It's, by invite only it's for um iphone only but i think like i think i tweeted the other day you know i would love to see city hall run like city hall meetings on clubhouse you know what i mean instead of having to like watch it on facebook if you just had it streaming through clubhouse i could like you know continue my life, like make dinner, or you could be driving somewhere and like just listening into what's going on. I just think it's, and it, it allows for like you to whoever's running the, the, the room can shut off mics or you can like bring up speakers. Like you can kind of run the whole thing. I think it'd be a super interesting way to get more involved in like the goings on in the city. It'd be, be pretty sweet. Um, then, okay. So that happened. And then their Twitter released their version of Clubhouse, which is called Twitter Spaces, which I actually really fucking love. I jumped into two the other day. One of them was just this dude. He's a social media strategist for Twitter. He was talking about Crocs and if it's appropriate for him to wear them on a date and like all this stuff. And everybody, at first, there was like five people in this room. And most of them worked at Twitter. And it was like me. <laughs> but like you it grew the room itself grew the space grew but also like the conversation grew from you know is it appropriate to wear to be super casual and super comfortable on a first date into 
why is it appropriate for men to kind of let their skills and their resume carry them throughout work when even like, like on a Zoom call, women feel this like unneeded pressure to like be dressed up, even on a Zoom, right? Like all these different women throughout different industries were jumping in being like, yeah, like I, you know, I'll wear like leggings or sweatpants or whatever, but up top I wear a blouse and I have to put makeup on. Like you feel this weird pressure that shouldn't be there. And then guys are like, fuck that, I jump on in a hoodie. Like it doesn't matter. Um, but it was just really interesting. And it, it, there's no, you know, there's no agendas with these things. They're very much just a, an open forum. And it's really, really interesting watching like where social media is going. Uh, David Dobrik, who I didn't know anything about until like six months ago, because I just don't know that world very well. Um, he has a disposable camera app called Dispa, which you can get like the normal version on the app store. And it's fun. Like I got it the other day. It's cool. But the updated like social media platform version of it is in beta. And through Twitter, I was able to get an invite to that before it like filled up. And it's, it's actually really fun. You take your photos. The app itself looks like a disposable camera. You can't see the photo you just took until 9 a.m. the next day. It has to like develop. So it's like, it's supposed to just like kind of keep you in the moment. That way you're not like taking a photo and like, oh, fuck, let's do it again. Oh, uh, let me post this. Let me write a caption. None of that's a thing. There's no captions. There's nothing. It's just photos and you can't even see them until the next morning. And like some of them look good. Some of them look like garbage. Like it's really, really interesting. The social aspect of it is like you set up a profile, but you also you can, uh, instead of joining like a Facebook page or like a group chat, they're called, um, reels, right? Yeah. I think they're called reels. So there's like a cat one that I'm in. Cause like somebody tagged me, somebody like added me to it. Cause the first picture I posted was a maybe. <laughs> so like, there's like this cat room. I started one for seltzer, obviously. I started one for cocktails. Cause like, those are the only things I ever take pictures of for those three things. But yeah, it's, it's been really fun. I have like a shit or a seltzer time has like a shit ton of followers just from being on there. You just get people like this. Cause there's nobody on there. Like, like right now I, I have two, literally I have two notifications, to the green things from this of new people following it for, for just because there's such a small pool, but it's kind of cool watching social media go from being this thing where like everything has to be so dialed in and so perfect and so there can't be a blemish on anything to kind of reverting back to where it started, where it's like, Oh, here's this, you know, with clubhouse, there's no, nobody's auto tune, nothing's produced. You're just talking. So it's like, it's raw audio. And then going into this, this like Dobrik thing with Dispo, there's no editing. There's no comments. There's nothing like that. If they're just raw photos it's just kind of fun getting back to more of that, like actual human connection instead of everything being so goddamn polished all the time. There's a time and a space for that, but it's like, I don't know. It's a little more interesting. It reminds me of that app that Casey Neistat was pushing a couple of years back called beam where the only way it worked is if you held it up to your chest like this, you had to block out the screen and it would capture everything in front of you. And, and, but you would have to live it. And yeah. I like that idea. Um, I just think that that, that habit that we have, I don't know if that's as much of a disruptor to, to take away Instagram, like, 
No, no. So I don't, I don't think it's going to ever take away Instagram, but I saw a really interesting tweet where they compared Instagram to be almost like your, your personal website, right? Like your Instagram is such a curated thing that it's like when you first meet somebody, I mean, I do this. If, if a place doesn't have an Instagram, I almost never go. I don't go there because I don't know what they have. And like whenever I find out about somebody or something or a company or whatever, the first thing I do, like you and I have had this conversation. I don't go to their website. I go to their Instagram because you. I think you can tell everything based off of that. And if it's somebody I'm interested in, the next thing I do is go and look who they're following or who's following them. And like, it's kind of this weird validation thing, right? For Instagram, it, I think Instagram will always be around at least for the next 10 years, but I think it will be used as more of a, like, instead of looking at my resume, you're going to look at my Instagram because you're going to get to know me way better that way. And then there's these other things that are happening that are kind of making it more of that, like actual human connection. It's the same with TikTok. I mean, TikTok's its own fucking animal, but like, I don't know. I, I really like this. Like, I mean, TikTok's actually like kind of the same thing. You really can't edit those in terms of like, you can, but if you just like film it in app, you're getting, you know, videos of people in their kitchens and their bed. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's a mix. It really there's- bringing back to like a real life connection instead of this super, super, super edited polished product that's been coming out on everything for a very long time. I'm interested. I'm interested to see where it goes. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I want to do a room on Clubhouse. So Joe, Joe, uh, Joe and I, and who the hell else are we talking to? Somebody else. I don't remember. My bad. I'm sorry. Um, we're talking about doing a Worcester room on Clubhouse. And I think it'd be kind of fun to do it you know, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., there's a discussion in the Worcester room where, like, you could talk about your projects that are going on. It'd be another extension of Seltzer Time, but, like, in a way where we could interview the whole fucking city, you know? like it'd be We just start a conversation. That's exactly yeah. When you were describing it, I was like, yep, Seltzer Time needs to be hosting a meeting once a week where we just invite anybody that wants to come hang out, and it's just a creative jam. Yeah, and you just tweet out the schedule thing the best, my favorite fucking part of clubhouse is when you tweet out like the scheduled room, it allows you to like save it to your Google calendar or your Apple account. Like and you, it gives you like multiple options and you just click it and brings you right over and you can save it in your calendar. Give yourself a notification to go on. I hate the fact that like, it's driving me crazy because everything that I want to be a part of tends to be happening at night when I have other things going on, like we have like a, a dive zoom tonight because I haven't seen that crew in a very long time, but there's this other conversation that's happening at like eight that I'm like, well, if we're done early, maybe I could jump in, but it's so nerdy. Well, while Ricky and I figure out what the hell we're going to do with this, we are going to bid you guys adieu and say, thank you very much for listening. If you want to find us on the interwebs, we are at seltzertime.com and I'm at hunchback Travis. You can find moi at, Seltzer Time Official on literally everything uh, and growing by the fucking day now. <laughs> um, or Dick Chuck 77. The only reason I'm not Dick Chuck 77 on Dispo is it wouldn't let me because I think because of the word dick. So that's why I went with Seltzer Time, which okay. in reality, it, it works out better going forward. But it's like, fuck, man. Like, I don't know. But whatever. 
Oh, we fucked up. What? I just remembered something we were going to do. What? We were going to call that guy's number. We'll save it for next time. Okay. <laughs> Seltzer time with the Bry guy. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. Forgot all about it. Well, tune in next week for when we talk to Jesse Berlingame, Ben Bowen, call some random guy from the internet. Bye.